It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. In a game like today, being down by a run, still in the ball game, but being down by a run, uh, I thought that's a good time to get him in there and actually get him back on the horse and let him go out there and do his job. Um, he's a guy that I have a lot of faith in. Uh, he's throwing the ball, like I said, um, in a lot of big spots for us. And, uh, you know, this was this was a time to work through some things, I think, for him and still give him a chance to go out there and get three outs in a spot that uh, still really mattered, um, but maybe not the same kinds of spots that he's normally pitched in. Uh, obviously, it didn't go the way the way that we wanted to. Oh, I just got triggered. Oh, I just okay. Last night we were we were texting each other, and Declan was the most apoplectic. You know, Judd, you were covering the game and down there, and I kind of told you guys, oh, they weren't going to win this game anyways. Like they were, you know, they were heavy underdogs. What are people so worked up about? Uh, and hearing Rocco there say that a one-run game trailing by one in the seventh, in which Fangraphs gives the Twins still a thirty percent chance to win that game. So it's it's not like oh, it's you know. They're down 10 to 1. A one-run game in the seventh inning is, quote, a time to work on some things, end quote, for the reliever getting hammered the most in the Twins' bullpen. Where does that rank on the things that annoyed you about last night's loss, the 110th loss in 148 games against the Yankees over the past 20 years? So I irrationally became livid last week um, at this team. And I was thinking to myself as they beat Toronto two or three, Judd, why are you so upset? Like, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Why can't you channel your anger in a more constructive way than to lash out at a team that I called arrogant? Um, But you know what? That very move encapsulates my problem with the entire thought process of the Twins and where I find it. I find their, their, um, um, execution of their thought process actually to be inexcusable at times and arrogant. This Tyler Duffy move, and by the way, he came in and spoke, and that's a good thing. Like Tyler Duffy, this is not lashing out at him. This is lashing out, and to use your word, Phil, what you just said, um, being triggered. And now I like that made me understand why I was so mad last week. Because you were down by one run in a game that, by the way, you started Cole Sands. Another nice young man came in, did all of his, answered all the questions. Um, did he, did he, do a po- he did a post game. He did a post game. And he was sitting right there. 
and it took some time and they apologized and he's like, don't take your time. It's fine. Like another nice, young, polite man. Yeah, he would like to extend his stay in the yeah. major league and clubhouse as him. long as possible. And, and you guys, good for you guys him. come back in a week. <laughs> but anyway, you started. So you're playing the Yankees who you can't beat. Like, and that's, I don't think that that is hyperbole. You can't beat them in the regular season and playoffs. You're a first place ball club and you start Cole Sands. And in the bottom of the uh, in the bottom of the sixth, you're down by one run, which is a miracle from God. Jamison Tyon started, who is very good for the Yankees. They are then going to start two more good pitchers, including Garrett Cole, on Thursday. And you are starting essentially three consecutive slappies. Archer used to be good, but he's really not now. So in this game, you're down by one run at home. You've got twenty seven thousand plus fans there. And you've got a chance, right? Like, you've got a chance. Like, you can say, you know, the percentages are this or that, but you're down by a run. And by the way, your offense is not terrible. So you've got a fighting opportunity. And your thought process is, is, and by the way, I will continue to say what I said last week, which is I don't buy this as all Rocco. I think this is a organizational philosophy. Because I think to put it on him is to say he is running the show and I am not going to give him that much credit. Yeah, if he and just to interject here, if yeah, so, if if he believes he is he is saying to you, we punted that game last night because they put they, they he literally said we put Tyler Duffy out there to work on some things because we don't view trailing by one in the seventh as a high leverage important spot to use literally any other reliever that would have been ranked above Duffy in that pecking order. Correct, and so if. That's that's a very bold stance, and we'll get into more of this because I've got some takes on this too. That yeah. if the front office disagreed with, they would immediately come down after that press conference and say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 dude, whoa, dude, we can't just be using guy who needs to get right and figure right. some things out against that lineup in a one-run game in the seventh. Clearly, the entire organization is aligned that you can punt a one-run game in the seventh inning against that team that is." Possibly going to have even bigger leads on you today and tomorrow. It's baseball. You know, things happen. They took two out of three from Toronto with a spring training lineup. But to your point, the organization aligns on that being a situation last night where, eh, just whatever, just throw a guy out there to work on some things against that lineup. And they so they treat that in bringing in a guy who's been terrible. And by the way, not just for one game. He has had a terrible, he's had a bad year, terrible year. He his was pretty stuff, bad last year. Too. His stuff statistically in every advanced metric is off. So, like, you know he's off. And it's not like this just fixable thing. You bring him in to face the Yankees, eight and nine. Okay, I don't love that, but I get it. But then one's coming up. Like, it's not seven, eight, and nine. Okay, hopefully we can get through that. You bring him in to face eight and nine. He gets through that, two outs. And then he starts at the top of the order and not surprisingly gets hammered, game done. And here's what I hate. And here's why I was mad last week. And it's crystallized now. I would like to thank Baldelli. I would like to thank the Twins for crystallizing it for me. Where I despise their actions is this. Before 27,000 fans. And playing, and before your players, who, by the way, clearly have the yips and have for years against this team, and you're a first-place ball club, you treated this game like you were playing the Royals or the Tigers or the A's or the Rangers. And you are selling me the company line of, and this is what the Twins are saying, 
Everything is always the same. We don't waver. Mm-hmm. And now if you say, well, Judd, hold on a second. That's a bold, bold statement. Back it up, Judd. Zolgad, back it up. I will. Playoff game. Houston Astros. Your plan, ordinarily, is to get guys to a certain pitch count or a certain time, you know, third time through and say, okay, that's done. But Kenta Maeda and Jose Barrios, in two home games in the playoffs, pitched marvelously. And they were pulled out because that's the way you always do it. Randy Dobnik started in game two at Yankee Stadium, an Uber driver, because you thought Jake Odorizzi should start game three. And we are all like, are you really? Are you sure about? Oh, yeah, we're sure about that. The arrogance, the hubris, and the lack of understanding of how human beings feel about things. And I'm talking to everyone from the players in the dugout to the fans in that stadium who you basically force-fed a bleep sandwich last night as a reward for coming out. The lack of understanding how human, how the human brain thinks because you think your brain is so smart drives me crazy. And that's why I was so mad last week, and I'm glad I can articulate it now, I think better, really upsets me. Yeah, and why, like, and, and, and yeah, I'm, and I, you know, I'm not, like, totally out on this team for this season. They're pro- there's a good chance they get swept. It's not going to completely deter their chances to win a bad division. I still think if they add a couple pieces, if they were to make a bold trade for – a Frankie Montas and a reliever. Like, there's still a lot of things to be done because of the way they've started the season so hot. So I just want to preface by saying that. But to your point about not understanding the human dynamic or at least not valuing it in your decision-making. Yeah. So you go into last night and you say, God, you know, Tyler Duffy's really struggling. It'd be nice to find him a spot at some point to get right because we don't just want to DFA him. In 2019, 2020, and he's not 40, he's 31. Like, he's still technically in his prime. And so, you know, even if he can be 75 or 80% of what he was in 2019, 20, he can be a really valuable piece. So let's find a chance to get him right. And this organization, from the front office down to Rocco, thought that the moment to get him right was against DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge leading into Anthony Rizzo. Because like you said, it, was, it wasn't just the 8-9 hitters. There's a good chance the way Tyler Duffy's going, one of those 8-9 hitters is going to get on base. And even if they don't, you still have to get someone out in this murderer's row of the first four hitters in their lineup. I don't know. Maybe just keep Duffy on the shelf until there's a blowout game or until after the Yankee series is over or until he's not facing DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, and Anthony Rizzo. On what planet is that part of that lineup the spot where you get someone confident again that's been reeling all season. It doesn't make any sense. And the other thing that really just, it's so triggering to me because I think for a long time I thought this front office and this manager are smarter than what happened last night. One of the things I used to complain about all the time under Ron Gardenhire when I covered the team as a beat writer and then when I was just you know more just peripherally watching as a, a joker with a microphone is how often Ron Gardenhire would withhold his best relievers from close games, like tied games or games in which they were losing by a run because, well, we only use our closer in save situations, or we only use our eighth-inning guy in the eighth inning, as opposed to, okay, there's a fire that needs to be put out in the sixth or the seventh, and if you want to win this game in a half hour from now, you need to put the fire out right now. Because sometimes it's not about protecting a lead. Sometimes it's about staying behind by only one run, so you can use the next three innings with your pretty good lineup to score some runs and win the game, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
I feel triggered because for several years I thought this front office and this manager were smarter than that, that they wouldn't fall into the old classic managerial trap of refusing to use your best pitchers and withholding your best pitchers on the theory that you might need them for a different situation tomorrow night, a situation that isn't guaranteed, by the way. What was guaranteed last night? You still had a pretty damn good chance to win in the seventh inning of a game that you had no business being in based on the starting pitching matchup, right? But, oh, my God, wow. We're only down by one run in the seventh inning? I'm not even asking for Duran to be the first guy out of the gate there, which, by the way, I think you could make a case for. If he was available last night, and can we confirm, was he available or did they not say? Because he got pulled out of the game. After getting hit by that on Sunday. I don't, I don't know for sure. I did not. If he, he if he was available, I could sit here and make a really good case that you could bring him in for an inning or two to keep that a one-run game and give your offense a chance to come back with nine outs and tie the game. Mm-hmm. But even if you say that's that's a bridge too far, we're not going to bring him into that game unless we're, it's tied or unless we're leading. There are seven other guys in that bullpen that you would bring in before Tyler Duffy in that spot. So they had, I think they had 10 available relievers last night. They used two of them, Manaya and Cano, after they pulled uh, Sands out of the game, right? And so I believe they had eight guys remaining in that bullpen. Griffin Jacks was available. Like, there's all kinds of guys available. Yeah. And this was Rocco's quote about, you know, so Declan played the first part of the clip. This is the second part of the of the, of the the quote. And basically, to sum up the explanation, it's we save our best relievers for games where we are winning. Quote, yeah. we play a lot of close ball games. It feels like we're in close ball games most of the games in these spots. If we treat games where we're down as if we're up, then when we're up, we're not going to have the pitchers that we really want to set up to throw in those games to protect leads. Right. It doesn't always feel satisfying at times, and that's fine. But we have guys like Duran and Pagan who throw late in a lot of games, and Joe Smith. Those guys have pitched mainly in games where we're winning, and we want them to be available and ready to finish ball games when the time comes. So the Twins, what he's saying is, we punted that game last night in the seventh inning to get Tyler Duffy to try to feel better about himself and to right. maybe figure some things out against one of the best lineups in baseball on the assumption that they might have a lead today. Fire everybody. Like, but are you serious? But but that's what I'm saying is that my angst came from I've now um, I've now pinpointed from the fact that they treat every game like they are playing the Tigers. Like, there's no advancement in philosophy. They do not understand. They literally do not clearly understand situational life. Everything to them, they, it's, it's, they are, they, it, it is, I mean, this is incredible to say, but now I know why I'm so mad. This is baseball Groundhog Day. It's Every the, it, day is the same. You brought up the playoffs. It is the I can't remember if it was the Maeda five inning game or the Barrios five inning game against the Astros. In both cases, those guys were lights out. And yes, the offense didn't score runs. That was the biggest reason why they lost that series. But they think let's pull a lights out veteran starting pitcher who's rolling after five innings because oh, third time through the order, we're a little bit nervous about what could theoretically happen. To bring in a young pitcher that has basically zero experience in those situations, Cody Stashak, right? That was predictably the, what that happened. That was the Yankees game, right? And then it happened again, I think, against the Astros. I think it might it have happened well in back-to-back might, years. It very well might have. I might but be yeah. getting my... But, like, it, they, yes. so are they thinking about, okay, this dude's pulse is going to be fluttering out of his neck because no. this is not a situation he's comfortable in. No, they're not. They don't think about that. 
So, so Tyler Duffy last night, I get that he's a veteran pitcher and he's been reliable in the past. He is throwing batting practice this season so far. Yep. And for them to think this is a really good chance to get him right. Um, are you against, against guys that hit the ball 500 well, feet? Like this is, this is a ridiculous lineup that is not meant for him to get right confidence wise and old school baseball wise. And I know that there's, you know, ah, the old school stuff about, but old school. And by that, I mean, 2000 Tyler Duffy right now would be working in the bullpen to try and get back on the mound. Like you would li- you'd be bringing him in and doing side sessions to try and identify things. And in Rocco's mind and uh, in the Twins mind, to be fair, in the Twins mind, they are saying we're going to get him right in a game against a team that that you know, a third of the way through the season has the best record since the 2001 Mariners. Um, there's just so many things about that lack of understanding, uh, potential stupidity, in my opinion. But if it's not, it's arrogance. It's hubris. It's literally saying how we decide to do things. I mean, the quote that Declan played from Rocco and Phil, the quote that you just read, which clearly articulates the thought process. Yeah. Like, there's no there's no mistaking it. I think the, the other thing I wonder off this, too, is, okay, so that's, they they are very clear about we don't use our best and, and I'm sure they've broken this at some times, but we don't plan to use our best relievers in one run games in which we're trailing late. And yeah, like you're still probably going to lose most of those games. But according to Fangraphs, you had a 30 percent chance still to win that game. I said they're punting on those games for theoretical games tomorrow or the next day where you will be leading against a Yankees team that might just bludgeon you the next two days. Like, this might have been the only game that you Correct. can win in the series, and you're assuming that you're going to have a lead at some point today or tomorrow, right? Absolutely. How many other games are they waving a white flag on throughout the course of a season where they could be bringing in better relief pitchers to keep the deficit at one or two runs in the sixth or seventh inning for theoretical situations tomorrow or the next day that might not exist? How do you Here's, not, and just quickly, how, how do you not look to at your next two days of starting pitchers? Like, if you have Joe Ryan going today, um, I still don't like what they did last night, but I'm like, okay, you think you're going to have a much, you know, you start a Cole Sands. You now think you're going to have a better chance. But you are going with Archer, who will probably go two and a third tonight, and then Dylan Bundy, who's been getting hammered. So, so to me, to me last night was the football team at the end of a, of the first half. You threw a Hail Mary pass, and it's caught on the 10, and there's time for one snap left, and you take a knee. It's like, hold on a second. You just completed that pass. Like, you're down by one run, and Cole Sand started. Yeah, dude, it's it's amazing. Now, know here's the good news. If you're a frustrated Twins fan, underdog fantasy allows you to fade the Twins. So let's say you're just, you know, you, you're rooting for the Twins, but if things don't go the right way, maybe you want to capitalize on it. Well, uh, I'm looking at the Pick'em section of the Underdog Fantasy app right now. If you think Aaron Judge is going to go over one and a half total bases tonight, or John Carlos Stanton over one and a half total bases. Or maybe you think it's going to be a short outing for Chris Archer, 73 and a half pitches tonight. Yeah, you can go on the Underdog Fantasy app, enter the promo code SCORE, and get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Plus, you can help us, and you can uh, get the best of both worlds, the easiest and most fun way to get a sweat on games, boys. So easy, Judd can do it. It's great. Mm -hmm. I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now. Go do it. Pick'ems. Pile up, baby. Here we are. 
So, all right, Declan, as a season ticket holder yourself, um, <laughs> what is what? What are like the two or three things that annoyed you the most watching yet another Twins Yankees debacle? That it's a self inflicting problem. It's it they from the jump starting Cole Sands said we're going to punt on this game. Um, the Yankees gift them four to five. I mean, the Yankees were a disaster in the field yesterday. They they were making errors. They they threw balls away. They booted a bunch of balls. They had chances to come back. And the and the Twins to their credit through the first second through sixth, seventh inning, made a comeback and had it in a one-run game and then decided to throw out Tyler Duffy. And then Rocco Baldelli comes out and throws a temper tantrum that probably is more, you know, capsulating on, on the game and the whole situation. Not necessarily that Kepler wasn't called for a, for a, for a foul call, which didn't hit his bat, but still just like he, he came out there to throw a temper tantrum that wasn't warranted necessarily. Um, and I just don't understand how... Basically, 18 to 20 years, you can't luck in to beating this team. Like, the Yankees have lost to the Orioles this season. They've lost stretches of three out of four. Somewhere on their schedule, they've had a couple stretches where they, hey, they've lost three out of four games. And the Twins are without every viable option, basically, in their starting rotation. But Joe Ryan is sitting there. Joe Ryan is healthy, and at least presumed he is healthy, and you start Cole Sands, and then today you get Cole, uh, Chris Archer. The next day you get Dylan Bundy. 28,000 people finally show up to watch a damn game, and you punt on it. That That is the message you are sending. The Twins are near the bottom in attendance this year. You have a premium team that's finally coming to your yard. And I know a lot of those fans are obviously closet and sometimes bandwagon Yankee fans. But at the same time, you have a, a team that's worthwhile to see. It's not seeing the damn Tigers or Royals for the hundredth time, which it seems like they've been playing them all season long. You have a quality team, and you trot out Cole Sands to your fans in a fan base that's already kind of pissed off and already annoyed at a team that has lost 18 consecutive games. I, I love this team. I bought season tickets for the first time in my life. It's a childhood goal that I've had was to own season tickets to the Minnesota Twins. And for the last... 20 years of my life, I have seen nothing but bleeping down your leg and also inflicting that you're just going to lose this game. We're just going to punt. We're not going to do anything to try to fix it. We're not going to try to do anything to try to win the game. We're just going to bleep down ourselves. And the defense sometimes of this team from the people that cover it boggle my mind. It's it's yes, they're in first place right now, but they had a chance to show us something against a good team and you just punted. You punted on the whole damn game. What was so on the Cole Sands front? Are people saying and this and this is I think my biggest question is so Joe Ryan has been presumably like he, you know he's been out and about. He has he's not just been in he's been on the COVID list for two weeks, but he's been fine for the last several days. And now they're going to send him out sometime this week to St. Paul to pitch a rehab start. Why wasn't Joe Ryan? Is is that what was the alternative to Sands tonight? I guess is it Joe Ryan could have started. They could have moved Archer or something. Was there a viable alternative, or are they just sort of screwed because of injuries and and COVID stuff? I think they're sort of screwed. But the point was to our to our grand point is when you start Cole Sands and you have the gift of being down by one run. And by the way, the Twins did off you know at the plate a very nice job. I, I mean, Tyon's been great, and the Twins hit him like they were doing a good job. They chased yeah. him after four. So so to me, yes, there there were circumstances that really did probably suck, and some of them were the Twins' fault, and some of them weren't. Uh, but the explanation of what we just talked about. 
to like, well, I mean, they're down by a run and that's not that big of a deal. That, that's literally a blanket statement on how you feel about every single game, ha- having no understanding of the fact that now, bad luck or not, you know, you're going to start two back-to-back pitchers who you don't trust. You don't trust. And I would think that the reality for uh, a start by Joe Ryan would be that he'd probably start tonight or could have started tonight or tomorrow or a Rays game. Uh, but I'm just more baffled by the fact that they brought in a struggling pitcher to get some work, essentially, down by one run to a team that they mentally have massive problems beating and had a chance, to your point, Phil, to beat them. So are they presumably not going to use Joe Ryan until after these Yankees Rays games are done? Well, they're going to give him a rehab start this week at some point. So do, do the math. I mean, he's going to. I'm sure they're hoping he throws 70 pitches. My guess is he doesn't pitch till in the big leagues till next. And week. why? And again, why? And I, I asked this with Royce yeah. on the Royce episode. Yeah. Why couldn't he if if he was out? So so Declan, uh, using your insider sources here. So Joe Ryan has been like out and about. Like yeah. he he was at a restaurant or something. Yeah. Uh, like, but yeah. Wh- when was he spotted out? Friday. Friday. Okay. So so Thursday, Friday. And maybe maybe even days before, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He clearly couldn't be in Toronto, maybe maybe because he's unvaxxed, right? But he's but he's not like in lockdown. No, he's not. So th- he's not so Thursday, Friday, can he throw a sim game on Friday at Target Field or somewhere? Go throw fifty pitches or something, and then be ready to throw seventy five pitches against the Yankees or the Rays. That's what I asked. What are they doing? Well, and, th- and then it's, the- it's so weird. You're also you're 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 alienating and putting your best pitcher in a corner where he's now fighting against the team. Like, he's he's probably pissed. He wants to throw. I'm going I'm to imagine that Joe Ryan wants to be out there, right? And and you and he hasn't pitched since, I think, the 23rd of May. So, yes, he's he hasn't thrown in a, in a game in now almost three weeks. But, I mean, dude, you're, you're probably playing catch somewhere. Like, I, I think he's probably been to Target Field to do something after being out of the lockdown. But I know he's out in public. I know he's healthy. Yeah. And he, from what I have been told, is fine. And yes, he couldn't go to Toronto because basically he was unvaxxed. But he could have pitched tomorrow or yesterday. Excuse me, he could have pitched to open this series, and they chose not to. They started Cole Sands. It's it's equivalent of the Randy Dobnik situation all over again to me. Hmm. What'd you guys think, real quick? Of the we'll get to write that down. Predictions and accountability session. The timing of Rocco's ejection in the bottom of the seventh. I think. First of all, Max Kepler swung at that pitch. If you if you they did the sort of the sideways mm-hmm. you know camera thing, and like he, his bat definitely broke the plane. So whether he fouled the pitch off or whether it was just a swinging strike, like it was strike one. Uh, the strike zone was definitely all over the place, and the Twins were getting screwed in a couple spots. Yeah, but I, I kind of felt to me like just frustration of oh the Yankees just hit a three run homer, and I'm kind of pissed at the umpires, and now I'm gonna. I'm going to show some emotion for my team. It, it felt a little manufactured to me. Yeah. Didn't feel authentic oh, I, at all. I agree completely. And I think he was, so he, he was mad. What that Kepler, I don't think he was mad. Kepler swung so much as they called it a foul ball. Yes. It wasn't even was close. First, it, it wasn't, wasn't close. close to a foul. Ball. And Polanco was on first base, right? So, so I think he could have gotten said, to second base. My yeah. guy could have gone to second base, That's but fair. I think he was mad. I wonder if he was mad too, because deep down in his baseball heart, he had to know putting in duff was just a disaster. I wonder if he didn't agree with it. Cause like th- there was definitely pent up fr- frustration there. I think the strike zone played a, a role, but the thing that I would love to know, and this would take a ton of work, and I don't know that, that you could actually 
unearth the answer to this question, though, is I would love to know how much everybody's on board with a thought process that makes no sense. And look, I'll go back to what I said last week. Molitor is partially gone now. It's obvious because he said, gentlemen, you baseball-wise don't know what you're doing. I do. Like, I'll listen to your advanced metrics and stuff, and that's all great. Um, But I think the more we see this unfold, Rocco is being puppeteered at times. I mean, he played the sport. He cannot be dumb enough to think that bringing in Tyler Duffy is a great move. At some point in time, he has to... He has to at least privately, right, break know, off man. and think. I don't know. And think, he, what am I? What are we? He's doing a different here? dude. He's a di- yeah, he, you're he's right. he's a different dude. He's different than like your classic baseball player, and that he's had all these crazy injuries. Sure, but the Duffy he's got thing, a different personality. But the Duffy thing pushes common sense off the cliff to me. Like, like I'm with you on on his career prematurely, unfortunately, came to to an end because of, of a weird of a weird medical circumstance. I'm with you on that one. But doesn't the Duffy thing last night push common sense to a cliff and right off that cliff? No, but no way everybody in that franchise last night said the Duff man's coming in and he's going to shove against the this, Yankees. This is, no a, this is a get right now. I don't know. I don't think they thought he was going to shove against the Yankees. They didn't. He, Rocco said. Rocco yeah, said this was, a, this is a get right I know. I'd just like to know. I would Lose just like the, to know who agreed and who didn't agree. So so anytime you're anytime you're losing basically in a game by one yeah, run right. in the seventh or eighth inning, then you're just like you're sure. you're just you're punting or crossing your fingers that crappy pitchers. And then by the way, if you're starting pitchers, if you're not going to allow or not going to have starting pitchers that can go beyond five innings, then you need to have better relievers coming in. So every single night you're relying on five guys to get the remaining outs for some of these pitchers that can't pitch beyond four and two thirds innings, right? So like I. It, Anyways, we could rant about this I mean, all right. day. And there's still two more Yankees-Twins games. And if the Twins win 9-1 to today, we'll celebrate it tomorrow on the show. <laughs> Maybe Judd won't. <laughs> uh, the next two start the, – the next – the starting pitchers for the next two games uh, frightened me probably more than last night's did. All right, let's take a pause here. We'll get to write that down predictions and an accountability session. Uh, yeah, most sports talking heads make predictions, then hope you forget about how wrong they were. But not Mackie and Judd. Write this down. This is the big leagues, where we own our terrible predictions. Write that down. And keep track of each other's batting averages. It's Write That Down. Write it down. You like writing things down. With Mackie and Judd. Yep, that's right. The only show in America that actually keeps track of our predictions with statistics. Batting averages, home runs put our careers on the line every single week. The most innovative, controversial, risky segment in all of sports media. And it's presented by our friends at Dennis Kirk. Riding season, the summer months, are where Dennis Kirk shines with over 160,000 parts and accessories in stock for Harleys, Metro Cruisers, sport bikes, whatever you ride. Free shipping on orders over $89. And same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m., Ride more, wait less, getting gear, and head to DennisKirk.com. All right, guys, three predictions from everybody each week. They must be quantifiable. Like I said, our stats on this show are batting average and home runs over on Purple Daily. We uh, we also do a football-centric version of the show. And listeners, if you want to participate, like our guy Kyle is about to, you can just send us a message through the Score North app where we're also uh, holding our month-long Purple Daily Getaway to Miami We're sending two fans 
to Miami, week six, little road trip for you. We'll take care of the travel. We'll take care of the tickets. All you have to do to enter sometime during the month of June is open the Score North app or download it if you don't have it already. It's free. Register and enter through listener rewards. Are you guys ready to be held accountable? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Trying to decide. Okay. I'm good. I think I'm ready. Start with Judd here. Well, Declan's good because he's batting 500 this season yeah, so far. Exactly. Yeah, don't punt on games. Ridiculous. Yeah, you're not bringing in Tyler I'm Duffy not, in a one I'm not game. starting Cole Sands oh, off the gate here. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, I remember that one. All right, Judd, you had two things come off the board. Yeah. Neither yeah. good for you. You no, said the Twins you. will be swept by the Blue Jays last weekend. I met the Yankees this week. Well, you can... want to go on the record? I misspoke when I said yeah, that. Maybe you will. You were wrong about the Twins getting swallowed. Wrong, 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 wrong. You said Jared Spurgeon. Spurgey will finish top five in the Norris Trophy voting this season. I don't think he even got a vote, actually. I meant Lady Bing. <laughs> Lady Bing. Wouldn't that have been hilarious? Because he finished third in the Lady Bing. If he had won that after trying to rip a guy's Achilles tendon off with his stick in the playoffs. Hey. Yeah, that's the playoffs, though. He's not but, sportsman like in the playoffs. Regular season, he is a sweetheart. Right, but when he did that, the results were probably in already. They were right? voted on, yeah. Okay, That's yeah, hilarious. yeah. That was after <laughs> what would that. they have done? I know they would have said regular season. He's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> very wow, hockey like, very NHL warrior, he's a uh, rabid Wolverine. Win, he's but... a warrior. All right, I had nothing come off wow. the board. Yeah, listeners, Alex said Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson will both Oof. make the cut at the U.S. Open. Well, Tiger is not going to participate in the U.S. Open, so he will not make the cut. Phil Mickelson is still hoping to participate. Is Phil going? Okay, so Phil wants to, but but they can can they say you can't because of his association with the new? They... That's the thing. So USGA is is has not like blackballed him from it, but the PGA is trying to throw their weight around. Okay, so because Dustin Johnson yep uh, retired from the PGA to play in or quit the PGA completely, right? Yes. Okay. And so did Kevin Na. And now apparently Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed are also joining the Live Tour. Really? And maybe Ricky Fowler is yeah. going to join as yeah. well. Dude, they're offering. So they gave wow. Dustin Johnson $150 million to play in these Live Tour events. They gave Phil Mickelson $200 million. And by the way, Dustin Johnson just got more from the Live Tour than he's made in career winnings in like 15 years on the actual PGA Tour so far. Yep. Okay, interesting. And they reportedly offered Tiger Woods a billion dollars to be associated and play on the Live Tour. Where I'm sorry to ask this, where is this um, cash flow coming from <laughs> right now? The, the Saudis. It's coming from, I believe, the Saudi government. Yes. Okay, so they, okay. But All most right. of the events, this so the first ones in London this week, I think starting tomorrow. Yes. And then, uh, and it's like a weird format. I don't Yeah, know it's a shotgun details, start. It's really weird. There no, there's no cut line. Uh, the whole thing. Three rounds. Strange. There's yep. a team portion. Then there's an individual portion. The, the purse is like $25 million. So I think the fees that these guys are getting are on top of whatever they would win in the actual tournament. So the, they're like, per, so it's a performance bonus in a tournament, but a flat fee just for playing. I believe in, so. In the league, so to speak. Now, is this on TV or is this? It's, is it it's right now. I think it's only streaming on their website, YouTube, and social media platforms. So I don't. Again, I don't oh like. God. Apparently, they have multiple billions of dollars to get this off the ground, but I don't. They don't have a TV deal or anything right now. Interesting. So, and Greg Norman is the CEO that's 
yeah, he's a tear for all of this. He's a sweetheart. Great guy. Got to watch that 30. Wasn't there a 30 for 30 on him at some point recently? I watched that. He's a master's meltdown. All right, uh, Declan, you said Austin Matthews will win the Hart Trophy. He finished second. Ah. In heart voting, but you did correctly predict that I would rate Top Gun Maverick a perfect 10 after watching it for Action Movie Rewind. Not a home run because I obviously was going to give it a 10, but yeah, a good a good show-related prediction there. Mm-hmm. And so Declan remains at 500 with nine home runs. Judd's at 373 with four home runs. Listeners at 316 also with nine home runs. And I'm at 301 with six home runs on the season all-time. Judd leads with 225 hits. Listeners lead with 28 home runs. All right, let's get our guy Kyle in here. Guest listener predictor. I'll throw this off here so we can all be on the screen together. What's going on, Kyle? Hey, how's it going, guys? Glad to be here. Right on. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, what's uh, what's your strategy here? You got a, you got a game plan you're going to follow? Well, as I was writing, I was like, oh, I'm going to hit bombs. And then after I read them, I'm like, these are definitely more like doubles and singles. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. It's like the Baltimore stand. They've, they've moved the fences back on Kyle here. Exactly. For write that down. So we'll start with Kyle. We'll go to Judd, Declan, me, three trips around the room. Lead us off, Kyle. What's your first prediction? All right. I'm a Vikings fan through and through, but I have to do a Detroit Lions prediction for this one. So write this down. Write this down. The Detroit Lions will win at least four divisional games this upcoming season. Wow. Mm. So above 500 in the division? Yep. Yep. Okay. Dan Campbell, off, off the record. Do you have off the record? Who are they going to beat yeah. four times? Well, they're off the record. They're going to beat the the Bears twice and the Vikings and Packers one each. Okay. And Packers is probably going to be the last game of the season when they're resting their starters. Unfortunately, that's fair. So two legit wins over the Bears, one legit win over the the Vikings, which seems to happen, and then kind yeah. of a like a like a backup quarterback situation. The Jordan Love win. Yes. Jordan Love, yes. It's Jordan Love. <laughs> love it. Love it. Write this down. All right, Judd. All right. Um, it's going to happen. I don't know when, but I will put a date on this one. Tyler Duffy won't be on the Twins roster uh, by July 1st. So at some point in time in the next few, few weeks, I don't know if they're going to get, get him through uh, potential w- – Waivers to St. Paul because he's got a ton of uh, experience, seniority. But anyway, by July 1st, he will not be on the Twins roster. Okay. You, so you can't so if, he, if he's on the roster on July 1st, then yeah. this is wrong. But if he's off correct. the roster between now and July 1st, it's right. It, then it's correct. Exactly. Okay. Right. I just want to clarify. Yes. And that does that include, let's Service say he gets DFA'd and then accepts a minor league assignment. to. So he, as long as he's off the Twins roster. Right. Exactly. As long as he's not at Target Field, I'm right. So like it, if he's with the Saints, I'm still right. Okay. So yes, it's it's not out of the organization. It's just off the Twins twenty six. Okay. What what, what if what if he doesn't clear waivers and then decides to just buy season tickets next to Declan? So he's at Target Field, but nope. he's no longer. Okay. Got to be in uniform. I've seen him in Northeast okay. a few so times. Said, I, you're very welcome. Come hang out with me. You seem to see a lot of athletes in Northeast. I do. I I have. I, yeah, I you're do. right around the. Yeah. You're right around where where they live. Uh huh. Dozers lived right behind me uh, when I first moved in. Yeah, I, I see a lot of athletes. Oh, I'd like to hear some Doge stories. Yeah, maybe for another day. Write this down. Wow, <laughs> sounds like you know something. Okay, let's go. All right. Uh, you guys tell me if this is a home run or not, and I'm just trying to speak this into GD existence. Write this down. 
the Twins will beat the Yankees by at least five runs in one of these next two games. That's a home run. Thank you. Okay. Absolutely a home run. So in one of these next two games, the Twins beat the Yankees and by five runs or more. And it's baseball. Things happen. Absolutely. 488 then by next week? What, Declan's oh, batting, batting average? average? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I love it. Here, Keep... let me let me do some quick math here. Yeah, let what's me... Declan's, because uh, this is going to, you, unless you've got another prediction that comes right, which you very well could, this is going to bring your average. Yeah, let me just, let me just, let me just uh, which plug, in, I are all plug in uh, an out here for Declan. It would bring his average down to 493 there. Oh, okay, 493. 493. Congratulations, yeah. you're still having an outstanding <laughs> season. But you just punted. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, write, write this down. I'm gonna you. I'm gonna make more of a just a vindictive prediction because I'm still <laughs> seething after Rocco's explanation of why he uses he uses the seventh inning of a one run game. You're losing, but it's a one run game that you can still very much win with nine outs to go as an opportunity to get Tyler Duffy right against that lineup. Yep. Which we just we just want, we saw it as a great opportunity to get Tyler Duffy right. And that's why Duran didn't pitch or one of our literally seven other relievers that would have been a better option in that spot than the struggling Tyler Duffy. So write this down. Duran will not pitch with a lead in this series against the Yankees. So the presumption here is, oh, we're saving Duran for situations where we are leading the game. That's why we don't put him in in a close game to keep it close so we can maybe win later. We're confident we're going to have a lead at some point that he can come in and pitch. So. Uh, he will not pitch with a lead in this series. Duran, that is, against the Yankees. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, back to uh, back to Kyle. All right, for my second prediction, it's going to be a D'Angelo Russell parlay, I guess. Um, so, first part, D'Angelo Russell will not be traded by this next season's trade deadline. So he'll be with the team until free agency. Okay. He, second part, he will be allowed to walk in free agency. And the last part is that with that new cap space, they will rules will sign at least one player with an annual average salary of twenty million per year. Okay. okay. So yeah, if they it depends on what happens here, but if they keep Delo, it means they're probably not adding. I guess they could they could keep D'Lo and trade like Beasley and somebody else and bring someone in, but they they would maybe have room to spend fifty or sixty million dollars. So you're you're saying that at least one of those players will have an average annual value of of twenty million. Yeah, but one of the new players they bring in. Okay, I, I think this is definitely a home run because yes. it's a three. It's kind of a three atom parlay. But if the first two things happen, the third is very likely. But you know, yeah. the first two aren't aren't given, so it's it's a home run. Still a home run. Oh, perfect. All right. Write this down. Back over to, to Judley. All right. I'm going to uh, turn to the world of hockey and the coaching carousel, fast and furious. A lot of great yeah. candidates out, out there right now, including Barry Trotz, who probably leads the list still. And there's a, a lot of speculation about bear. Yeah. where Barry where, where Barry is going to go. The bear. Barry Trotz will go home and will coach the Winnipeg Jets next season. So Barry Trotz will be hired by the Winnipeg Jets, allowing him to return home and probably wind down his career behind the bench in the peg. I like it. The, the bear. Peg. I feel like the, the, the I feel like the bear should be uh one of the hot commodities here. Shouldn't He's there be like two or three teams yeah, that are bidding on him? I, I think the Golden Knights 
I think the Golden Knights are in. I think the Jets are, are in. Now, Boston surprisingly uh, fired Bruce Cassidy two days ago, and he's going to be a hot commodity too. But, yeah, the there is nothing like the volatility of the National Hockey League coaching fraternity. Mm. Write it down. You like mm. writing things down. All right, Dex. Great. All right, another pit prediction that will come off the board uh, by next week. I'm going to make a live prediction tour. Uh, so, yes, there's there's, uh, there's, too, I, there's individual competition and there's team competition. So the individual competition is just three rounds and it's stroke play. So it's basically just one last round, but it's still stroke play. So let's write this down. He's one of the favorites to win, and this is just a nice knock, but Kevin Na will finish top five at the live this weekend. Hmm, okay. In the individuals, a, in the individuals competition. Okay, Chad, I'm going to give five. you some context here for this one. Listen, I mean, we're going to allow this prediction, but oh wow, we've got controversy. It's, I just want to give you an idea of live live golf field here. Let me just find this for Judd. So um, they're having a hard time filling out the field with quality players because they just started, and I think they've they've focused on okay, we got this boatload of money. Let's focus on a handful of players and get them over. But it's taken a while because to pry these guys from the PGA Tour, I mean, they're literally burning a bridge with yeah. the the golf tour, right? Like it's yes. it's a a hundred percent cash grab for these players. So it's that's why players. I think everyone wanted to see. Okay, is Phil going to do it? Oh, Phil got in trouble with some things. Dustin Johnson did it, and then Kevin Na did it, and now it's like okay, then then Phil threw his hat in the ring officially. Um, and and then it was okay for Bryson DeChambeau and these guys, but for this particular tournament. Yep. There are guys with world rankings over a thousand. Like there Andy oh Ogletree, God. world ranking one thousand three hundred. Chase Kepka, who is is that like Brooks Kepka's brother or sure. cousin? Ranked fifteen hundredth in the world. David Puig is ranked one thousand seven hundredth in the world. James Piat is ranked one thousand seven hundred thirtieth in the world. They only have Let's see here. Three players in the top 30 in the world. And Kevin Na is 33rd. So he's like the, technically he's the, oh, look, and it looks like uh, DeChambeau is going to, DeChambeau is going to play in this event. Right. So Kevin Na is the fourth. V- via the sports book, he has the fourth best odds to win the tournament. Na is. Dustin Probably John- behind Dustin Johnson, Louis Oosthuizen, and is, is Bryson officially playing in this one? Uh, I don't know Bryson. if Bryson is. Poulter's playing in it. Uh, Phil's playing in it. Horsefield's playing in it. Uh, Schwartzel's playing in it. Lee Westwood's playing in it. There's actually yeah. a good amount of uh, English golfers playing in this, and they could have an advantage there. So I'm just I'm just saying Kevin not top five in the individual like portion of the competition. So if he finished, I don't know if the, what the like team thing now. works because he could obviously win that. But I'm just saying the invitation in the inv- individual part, he will finish top five. I'm going to make a win prediction here for the live the inaugural live tournament. I'll give you three guys. One of them is going to win it in the individual. I don't care about the team stuff. Yep. Kevin Na, Dustin Johnson, Louis Oosthuizen. One okay. of those three guys is going to win it. Okay. Bryson's been playing. Bryson's coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. I don't know who some of these other guys are. Oh, God, no. Matt Jones. <laughs> Sam Horsefield. Matt that Jones? just sounds like a name Jack made Horse. up from the 1800s. Sam Horsefield. Sounds like a golfer, though. Like, if you were guessing what his occupation was as an athlete, you'd say he's probably a professional golfer. But probably uses wooden-headed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Driver and oh, Threewood, yes. right? Yes. Here's Gene Sarazen leading the field, and Sam Horsfield <laughs> is second. Hudson Swafford is playing in this event. That's a great name. Hudson Swafford. Could be a left-handed reliever specialist, too. I could see that. 
Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Most definitely. All right, anyhow, back to Kyle, your third and final prediction here, Kyle. Ooh, my third and final. Uh, I'm going back and forth on this one, but I think I settled on this one I'm going with. Um, it's a Vikings prediction, so write this down. Seems to happen every year, so I'll put this out there. Before the start of the season, the first game of the season, three pe- three additional people on the 90-man roster currently will have season-ending injuries. Wow. So it's like season-ending injured reserve or whatever, right? Is that what? Yeah, okay. it, I, I hate to say it, but it like happens every year. So yeah. I, I right. don't want it to happen, but <laughs> I'm not to cryptic. And like, you don't want to wish injury on any of those ninety, but no. if you had to, you would hope that it's like the eighty-second guy. Yeah, and not, not Harrison Smith, yeah. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. It would be like a guy who'd yeah. be like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, he'll he'll get a real job next year. <laughs> Well, Judd, you made some injury prediction a couple weeks ago, too. You had, like, Lewis Seen taking Stefan Diggs out of a game in week Did 10 I? or whatever. Yeah, That's terrible. Did I really say that? Yeah, you blacked out and made an injury prediction. Write this down. <laughs> Must take Anyhow, early. Kyle, great work with these predictions. Since you've got this platform here on Mackie and Judd, is there anyone in your life you would like to thank that brought you to this peak moment? Yeah, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm actually going to thank all of you guys, Judd, Phil, Declan, because without you guys constantly pushing Livia, I never would have signed up or even known anything about it. So down 70 pounds now. So I got to appreciate I got to wow. thank you guys for wow, uh, dude. putting me on that train. 70 pounds? Oh, that's incredible. When, yeah. Since February. When did you start? Since February. Well, congratulations, man. Wow, that's dude. awesome. That yeah. is amazing. So how, how do you feel now compared to, let's say, you know, January? Um, night and day difference. 100%. <laughs> Having 70 pounds off your shoulders kind of makes you uh, a little easier to move around, for sure. That's awesome, man. And and here's the best part, correct? It's simple. Like, that it's that simple. was my thing. It's not hard. Mm-mm. It's not really hard simple. All. They make a great plan for you. Yep. It's what you need, and you just follow it, and you see results. It's just really as simple as that. That's awesome, man. Well, congrats, congrats Kyle, on the 70 pounds of weight loss. Good luck on your predictions. Awesome, Kyle. And stay in touch with us, all right? All right, will do. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. See you, that's Kyle. Awesome. That's such a cool story. Oh, Love yeah. hearing that. That is not Seven a plant, pounds. by the way. We did no, not plan no, for that no. to happen. No. No, no. I mean, no. we definitely planned for him to lose 70 pounds if he was going to sign up for Livia. But, yeah. Of course. That's but that was not a plan. Yeah. So uh, that's Write awesome. That all right, back to, uh, to Judd here, your third and final prediction. Uh, my third and final prediction. So I, I can't decide if the Twins are going to make a trade for a starter. Like, they need help, but I, I just... I don't have faith in them, but that being said, I mean they're going to have a really good a really good chance uh to win this division. So they're going to go to the playoffs. So somewhere of common sense like plays a role here you guys. They're going to say we need more. Like we cannot be trotting coal sands out. Um so write this down. The Twins will trade prospect Austin Martin who they got in the Jose Barrios trade from Toronto last year before this year's deadline. Hmm. So Austin Martin, who is a shortstop outfielder, he's he has not been great and There's he no plays power. Yeah, and he plays shortstop, which which seemed great, but now you know, I, I would guess that Royce is going to be the shortstop next year. Uh the twins certainly have some outfield depth. So Austin Martin will be a trade chip, and I think they can probably put him in a package. Speaking of, what is the update on Royce Lewis? 
No have, I, have I missed an update somewhere? I have no scoop there. Unless there was something in the pregame last night that I missed because I did go to the postgame and it was not addressed, which is not surprising. Um, I don't think so. And and Dukes told us on Bonus Scoop Tuesday that it has been very quiet when he has asked for particulars about, hey, did the swelling go down and how was the second MRI to make sure that there wasn't more damage than just the initial uh, diagnosis? That doesn't sound good. Probably not. So we're thinking that there's surgery involved. I mean, why, why, don't, why don't isn't know. there an I, update? It's been a, it's been over a week, right? Yeah, I don't. I'm know. asking a lot of rhetorical questions here, yeah. but yeah, I mean, right. People cover the team, PR. Like, can someone tell us what one of the most important Mm-mm. players and in, in the organization is feeling right now? I don't know. Now, anyways, all right, Declan, your third and final prediction. Write this right. down. Uh, write this down. Uh, so John Cena's coming back to the WWE. Uh, Judd, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Phil and I were texting about it the other day. Um, I heard you talk about it yesterday. Yeah, so so Cena's coming back. He was he came back last summer for for a little bit of a run into the fall, um, but he's coming back again. I believe he comes back like the end of the month on an episode of Raw. So write this mm-hmm. down: John Cena will win a major world title between now and the end of the year. And Phil, those major titles would just be the WWE title, the Universal title. Or both, because Roman has both of them, and I don't know like if they're unifying them or whatever, but he will win a major world title, uh, which I believe will give him his 17th, which passes Ric Flair for the most of all time in WWE that they recognize. So John Cena will win a major world WWE world title between now and the end of the year. Write it down. I love it. I think his first match back is going to be against Theory. Used to be Austin Theory, but then they just dropped his first name, and now he's Theory, and he is the United States champion. Um, you know, I'm going to make an impromptu wrestling prediction because you mentioned the name Ric Flair here. Woo. Uh, Ric Flair <laughs> is apparently going to wrestle. He's what? like 75 years old. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else about Ric Flair's future. What do you mean? Like, he's going to die. I might. That, that he might. That, yeah, that Ric Flair won't be alive on January 1st, 2023. Oh, well. He's I thought you might go with that one. Years. I know he has. Well, Ric Rick Flair is apparently wrestling his last match in Nashville, Tennessee on July 31st, 2022. Oh, that's a Rick Flair returns to the ring one final time. I'm going to walk that aisle one last time to prove once and for all that to be the man, you've got to beat the man. Oh, man. He's wrestling against, no. I don't even know. Who is he wrestling against? I, I don't know if they've even, if I they've don't. said. I don't like this. But it's going to be on pay-per-view. And he, like, yeah, he almost died a few years ago. Yeah, we we were on a remote when a story broke that he had, like, collapsed and been rushed to the hospital, and I thought he was going to die then. Yeah. I don't so like I'm going to say this. Write this down. Ric Flair will bleed in his last match, <laughs> either the hard way or he will, you know, do it the old wrestling style. I think he's going to want, if, if, if he's going to do this his way, he's going to be a crimson mask version of Ric Flair. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Come on. So he, he's going to bleed at some point. I wanted to make a different prediction that was a little bit more aggressive because I think he's going to get hurt in this match. Yeah, he's putting out training videos of him, too, just like in some ring in yeah. a warehouse taking body slams and stuff. Yeah, I, this just doesn't seem necessary. No. But, uh, he will bleed in his last match. Okay. That's a bad. So uh, Flair's opponent, as well as the entire card, will be announced at a later date, it says. So I guess, you know, it's up for grabs if you want to put Ric Flair out to pasture. Line up. So anyways, those predictions were presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over 100 years, helping businesses maximize their success through risk management tools and resources. 
Federated's history is rich with innovative, committed people guided by a core set of principles and values that they apply to your business. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. All right, we're going to send Judd out to Vikings mandatory minicamp, and we'll have that whole report on tomorrow's episode of Purple Daily. Reckless Speculation Thursday on Mackie and Judd tomorrow with our scoop monger, Darren Doogie Wilson. See you guys.